Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with your host, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, helping you live your life to the fullest. How? Real people, including celebrities, real advice, real places, products, and businesses, real life stories. It's all right here for you with this radio show, printed magazine, websites, community, and more. Remember to visit us online, too, at besteveryou.com. And now here's your host, CEO and founder of the Best Ever You Network, Elizabeth Hamilton Garino. Hello, everybody, and thank you so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show. I think we're creeping up on over 400 shows now. It's crazy. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on uh, just all sorts of places where uh, podcasts and radio shows go. And we're really grateful to you all for listening and helping us share the show. I remember when I started doing this several years ago, um, I thought I literally was talking into like space. <laughs> I had Forbes Riley on as my first guest and we weren't sure anybody was listening, but we chatted away and it's, it's grown from there. We're, we're hitting over almost 3 million downloads now. So thank you so much everybody for listening. And um, just want to welcome my guest today, um, his name is Matt Hoydell from World of Change, and uh, he is the chief change maker there, and I just uh, and founder of this awesome company. And I just uh, I w- welcome Matt. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being here on this. We're I I love that you're from Falmouth, Maine, and uh, I'm in Falmouth, Maine, and um, we get to just chat on the phone together today. For we're going to be here probably for about 45 minutes to an hour, um, and I just I I love this concept of world of change. And I was wondering if I can sort of be quiet and let you take over a little bit and tell us what what world of change is. Oh yeah. Well, I'm glad you love it, and and um, glad that we can share it with as many people possible. Hopefully, it'll inspire people and and uh, and and help empower people to to go out and make some change. Because I learned I can't remember what year it was, but um, several years ago, I read this statistic about 10 billion dollars in spare change that's just sitting around idle in people's houses you know, underneath those sofa cushions, um, in people's cars, in desk drawers. And, and having spent so many years working nonprofits, I've spent 17 years working with nonprofits in various different capacities. And it, it's always just astonished me, this statistic of $10 billion. And, and, and I've always thought, what could we do? Imagine how many people we could help with that $10 billion. Um, and, and, Imagine if we could use all of that change to inspire people to take action and to use it in a way that we could um, make the 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 um, you know giving make giving accessible to the masses yeah. in a way that I think maybe giving may not feel accessible to folks. So yeah, you know, that's what we're doing. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing, no, that, and I I I saw all of these. Um, you've got such a, a history in the nonprofit world. And um, I, I know you mentioned it like 17 or so years in doing all these things. And I'm wondering, you know, everybody loves to, to help and, and people love shows like this where, you know, it's, it's somebody doing good in the world and with a purpose and all this stuff. So somebody's listening to the show right now and they have, you know, loose change. What do you want them 
to do with that because that's what your that's what your message is. It's like all this loose change, collect it and do something with it. So where do people go? Because I know you have this awesome website, change um, yeah. world of change dot world. Um, they can go there. But what would how do we how do we act? You know, how, what do I do with my change? That's right. So uh, you know, if you're here in Maine. We've been in schools, we've been in classrooms, we have these change kits with six jars in each kit. Each jar represents one of our focus areas. Our focus areas are uh, food, housing, health, childhood literacy, financial literacy, and play. And so everything we do is to benefit kids and their families. And so when we bring a change uh, kit into a classroom, Kids collect their change and decide which jars they want to put their change in, which focus areas, and which programs they want to fund. And so here in Maine, if, if you're listening from Maine, it, it'll be easier for you to engage with us. Um, but it shouldn't be as hard for folks living outside of Maine. Uh, we had a gentleman, a young man, who learned about us here in Maine this summer at a summer camp. And, uh, and that summer camp was collecting change for us. And he went back home to New Jersey. For his bar mitzvah, he made it his mitzvah project to take our change jars and spread them around the community. So he collected over $1,200 worth of change in his community, and he actually mailed that change to us. And it was, it was just wonderful. Um, folks don't have to mail their change to us, though. You, folks could take change to the bank, cash it in, and send us a check if they want to participate with us. What we really just recommend, simply put, is – Take that change and do something with it, whether it's with us or another group in, in local communities, but don't let it sit around. And ideally, get together with friends, classmates, businesses, try to do something with the community where, where the community can take their change, see it add up together, and do something collectively. Because that's really what we're trying to do through World of Change is inspire people to come together and take something small and, and make it really add up to do something big. Now, do you, I, I was going to ask you this. Do you know what Coinstar is? Like when you go to the grocery store, mm-hmm. there's big change machines in there. Can you donate your change sure. to you guys through there? So Coinstar, they, you know what I've learned about them? Two things. Um, people often talk about the fact that Coinstar charges a 10% fee. And right. they are they are a for profit company, and so that ten percent fee is how they make their that they make their income. They do, however, offer an opportunity for people to donate their change and bypass that fee. And I think they have four great national organizations on there. I know United Way is one of them because I used to work okay. at United Way, so that that really <laughs> stood out to me. So yeah, so so not yet, but maybe something to something that will happen in the future. <laughs> and for right now, if you go there, throw it to United Way. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, something, you know, we, we do have we do have visions in the future of, of being yeah. present like that on, on a large scale. Yeah, that's I, I believe it. Yeah, I love that because, you know, even though, you know, we're here in Maine, we love to live here and all this stuff. And this is a your company world of change um, is is definitely a nationwide thing. And so it's a it's a really good fit to be on Best Ever You where we've got that global reach. Um, and and, you know, hopefully somebody will hear us and somebody will hear us and pass it on and pass it on. And that's how that always works now. Um I love I was reading your bio and I didn't read your whole bio when we went on the air. 
but you've got, um, you, you mentioned United Way. You were the director of Camp Sunshine, uh, which is a nonprofit retreat for children with life-threatening illnesses and their families. You, um, you, you, what I noticed here, though, is you're an attorney. And mm. I was wondering if you could tell me how that all fits together, like how you went from being an yeah. attorney to this. <laughs> Right, right. That, that's not like the, like the obvious path, right? Um, no. And certainly nothing. I it was not, nothing I ever expected. Um, I, I was exposed to nonprofits when I was in law school. I went to Vermont Law School, and uh, I had gotten involved. A friend of mine had, had told me about Camp Sunshine, and I'd gotten involved there. Uh, my brother and I ran the the, the uh, Disney marathon and, and raised some money to sponsor families at camp sunshine. And I just fell in love with the place. Like most people do. Um, it's such an easy cause to rally around. And I, I left wanting to do more after that first experience. I felt like I wanted to do considerably more. So I organized a, a, run, a relay run from Florida to Maine, put together a team of runners we raised uh, some money to sponsor a considerable number of families. And, and I remember after that feeling like I wanted to do even more than that. And it was at that time that the founder of Camp Sunshine, the organization was looking for an executive, executive director. He approached me. I was 29 years old. And, and I just, I, I said no, right, right off. That was my first reaction. And yet there was something there. And, and at, at that same time, I was, I was just then graduating from Vermont law school. And I remember, I remember so clearly sitting, listening to our graduation speaker, Bernie Sanders from Vermont. Most people will be familiar with Bernie Sanders, name. And they'll also be familiar with the fact that he's a very, very persuasive, uh, energetic, influential speaker. And sure enough, he influenced me by saying and encouraging us, all of us graduates to, to, get involved in public service. If there was any point in time in our lives, that was now when we were graduating to, to, to get involved then in public service before we, before we got involved in, 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 you know, as attorneys at law firms, before we became partners, before we created these lives for ourselves that we couldn't unwind and public service, as we all know, isn't necessarily the quickest way to financial security um, <laughs> and to retirement. It's not like you have to starve in public service, but at the same time, there are other more lucrative careers. And his message was to us, don't focus on the dollar, focus on doing something for your community that makes your heart sing. And I sat there and, and I remembered that speech like no other graduation speech I had heard before. Cause I, I, I could tell you, I can't remember any other speech that anybody else gave. But this made such an impact on me, and I knew at that moment that, that I had to follow my heart uh, more than anything, and this was an opportunity that had been given to me. And so I decided to do it, realizing that I could always change my mind later on, um, but I may never have that opportunity again. And, I, and, and it's something that I was the greatest, greatest decision ever made and the greatest gift that I've had in my lifetime. Yeah, I, I talk a lot about that on Best Ever You. It's one of my sayings, to think with your heart. And uh, it guides you, doesn't it? I think so. I mean, I think, you know, it's complicating. We Our, our heads yeah. become very controlling over what we do, and for good reason. I mean, we, we spend a lot of time educating our heads, right? Yeah. Um, I, and I'm not necessarily sure we spend as much time 
nourishing and, and educating our hearts. And, um, and so when you spend so much time educating your heads, it's, uh, it's, it's very easy for your head to control your decision-making. But uh, we, have to, we have to let our hearts guide us and have to listen to our hearts because that's where true life fulfillment comes from, I believe. Yeah, now I I'm a mom of four boys, and um, I say boys, and they're like grown. <laughs> they're, I've got a sophomore <laughs> in high school, all the way up to a, a 22 year old. And um, I was wondering, I I know you you have I don't know if you have kids or or one or two. I thought you had two. Um, yeah. I don't know, but um, how what do they think of all of this? What do they think of dad yeah, doing well, all this cool stuff? They're the reason why I did it as well, because I do have two kids, a six-year-old daughter and a 12-year-old son. And, you know, this, this whole idea of world of change came to me years ago. I left Camp Sunshine after 13 years for personal growth. And, um, and I, when I left Camp Sunshine, I wasn't ready to do world of change. And I had, there was some self-doubt there, but mostly just, you know, that was where, that was where the head won. And, and rightly so. The heart wanted me to do World of Change. My heart was very much invested in it. But my head was telling me, you know what, you're not ready for it because you need to connect with the community in ways that you haven't yet connected. And by that, I mean dialing into those issues that our community faces around housing, around education, around financial needs in a way that interested me, but I hadn't really become aware of. And, um, and so I knew that I needed to, to expand my knowledge base as it relates to connect community. And, um, I, I just kind of put the idea of world of change aside and I found United way and I was blown away by all the incredible work that they do and especially the way they bring people together. And so I, so I took a job there thinking, you know, I could be here for 10 more years and, and world of change just kind of went away. And after three years of United way, however, it started popping up again. And then I had to listen to it and, and say, why is this popping up? And it was around that time that I also started to kind of think about my kids and think about this opportunity in my life. To your question, Elizabeth, about my kids, um, about using this as a learning tool for my kids. And my, my, my eldest, 12 years old, is a very bright child. And he's also a very sensitive child, a very conservative child. And I... I want to make sure that my child is going to take some risks in his life because without risks, the reward doesn't always follow along. And, um, and I do believe in a degree of risk reward, a good balance there. I don't agree. I, I don't advocate for recklessness. I don't know how many people advocate for recklessness, but I, I certainly wouldn't teach my child recklessness, but at the same time, there's gotta be a level of risk that we can teach our children. And so I, I thought that this would be perfect time in my life. It'd be a perfect time as a father and parent to my children. And, um, you know, life is short. How many opportunities are we going to have in our life to follow our dreams? And, and if there's one thing I can teach my kids the most, it's pursue what you're passionate about and follow your dreams. And this whole experience has been a tremendous learning experience, I think, for my kids. And I, I'm just I feel like I'm incredibly lucky to be able to share it with them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you, that's just awesome. Yeah. I love those kinds of stories where the, where the kids get to see uh, yeah. purpose, 
the purpose in the yeah. community and all that stuff, because, you know, you can be a very driven, driven, successful person. And um, that whole community aspect of, of you is just a, a really important thing, especially in sports and, and all the things we do that give back kind of portion to people. I'm not sure everybody gets raised like that. Um, and sometimes it, it takes you getting a little bit older to go, Oh, give back, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, yeah. but it's nice to hear, you know, young people being raised like that. So they don't have to catch that, learn that as the, when they're older, does, uh, that, you know, your 12 year old, um, yeah. what, tell me, tell me a little bit more about it. What's his name? His name is Aiden, A-I-D-A-N. And and how has and, he become wise with all of this? Because <laughs> well, I know, you know there's so here's the th- here's the yeah. thing. I don't know if I said this before, um, but but we spend a lot of time teaching our kids in school how to read, how to you know mathematics, all, all of these critical skills that are going to help them throughout their lives. And I, I I'm not sure we spend enough time educating their hearts. And and that's that's not to say that we. You know, if we graded ourselves on that, that we do a bad job. I, I'm just not sure that we give equal weight to 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 teaching them things that that motivate them from their heart and teach them empathy. And um, I'll, I'll tell you one thing: this school here in Falmouth, Falmouth Elementary School, does a phenomenal job with that. And and I'm starting. I'm actually. This has been a wonderful experience starting to see schools who are actually doing this really, really well. And, and, and so I, I know that with my own kids, with Aiden and my daughter, Elsie, my six-year-old daughter, that, you know, it's, it's more of a conversation with us. And I think the more you have that conversation about helping others, that repetition just um, instills something in them that will live on with them for their lives. And I actually read a study recently um, by Indiana university and it, and it was, the results were that that families who have these conversations with their children about help, helping others, these kids are 20% more likely to go on in their lives contributing and giving back. And so the research is there that shows that these these examples, they make a difference. And, you know, I also, I, I think I take cues from my kids and we can all learn from our kids. I have an example of, um, of one instance that I'd like to share with you, if that's okay. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Well, um, so my 12-year-old son, he, he takes martial arts. And I'll never forget the moment where early on, the very first time I saw him practicing martial arts, he stepped on the mat. He bowed to his instructor, and in, in his very sweet and innocent voice, he said, I'm going to do the best I can today. And I, I got goosebumps listening to that. And, you know, he he went on, they had their session. And I remember thinking about that in, in the entire session and watching him. And then when they were done, it surprised me again, because he and the other students bowed to the instructor, bowed to us parents and said, I did the best I could today. And I thought, wow, wow. <laughs> you know, how many of us, how many of us grownups wake up in the morning and say, consciously say, I'm going to do the best I can today. And when we go to bed, how many of us consciously say, I did the best I could today. And, and when you think about kids, how many kids wake up in the, in the morning and say, I'm going to do the worst I can today. By contrast, yeah, probably not many. Kids, <laughs> probably not many. And, and kids are so, their hearts are so willing and so eager to please 
and they want to do the right thing. And if we, if we are not giving kids the opportunity to do the best they can, to be the best they can, including helping others, then, then we're not giving them all the joy and fulfillment that, that we as adults have realized brings us so, so much fulfillment in our lives. And so that struck me. I mean, I think yeah. I, I wake up now and, and consciously I have to remind myself it doesn't come easy. Sometimes I think people hear this and say, oh, you know, feel guilty that, that they didn't wake up and say that. And, you know, life gets in the way. We get distracted. But if we can, if we can consciously practice that, that, that remi- reminding ourselves to wake up and say, I'm going to do the best I can today. And what, is it, what am I going to do to do the best I can? Who am I going to be? And when I go to sleep tonight, am I going to say I did the best I could today? And I'll never forget that moment when he said that. Well, pretty smart little kid. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> definitely Aiden's wisdom, Aiden, you're going to be famous. We're going to write that down and we're shouting it out loud again. It's uh, I'm going to do the best I can today. I know I, I wrote that down and, um, was he 12 when he said that or younger? Let me, I, let me guess younger, no, he right? Was, I, he's 12 now. So he must've <laughs> been 10 now. or nine years old. And, 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 <laughs> That's crazy. You know, he'll, he'll be legendary now after everybody yeah. hears this and he'll, he'll, he will <laughs> love hearing this himself. I know it. That's awesome. Good job, Aiden. I, I love yeah. kids. They're out of the mouth, out of the mouths of babes comes great wisdom and truth. It's, it's awesome. So, um, right. Yeah. So in doing this, okay, the other other component here is other people listening going, you know, it's something I want to do or, you know, I, I, you know, we've got an entrepreneurial crowd here. Uh, Is every day of your life just rosy and peachy and this was the easiest thing you've ever done? (laughs) Oh, you know, I wish it was. And, 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 and partly um, that was why I decided to do this now when we talk about using it as a tool to teach my kids. I want um, my kids to see that life isn't always roses and there are going to be hiccups along the way. And uh, I I will say this, everything is taken off so miraculously that I think all my son sees are all these great things. You know, he hears about it on the radio. He'll hear this and think, daddy, this is working and, and everything, see, everything's going great. And, and, you know, everything has been. But he, there are there are times when it's it's not always perfect. People have said no. People don't necessarily. I think in the early stages, in the first first couple of months, when I was talking to people about this, they they didn't necessarily see it as clearly. But now we have a website. Now we've had our first major event behind, behind us. We have some news pieces that people can watch. We have some newspaper yeah. um, stories. So it, so it's it's a lot clearer to people. But there have been some hiccups along the way, and and that's part of the process. And there's also the loneliness factor when you, you leave office work environments, especially with organizations that are very established, very successful, you, you leave that sense of security and you become, you know, you strike out on your own. And while you still have a a big support base around you, we have a great board of directors. We have a great group of founding donors. We have schools and camps who who've gotten behind this. I have a lot of personal friends who are involved in this family members. There's still that, that feeling of loneliness. You're not, you're not going to work every day in a big office. And, but I also find this, and I don't know if you've found this too, Elizabeth, others I'm sure can relate on the call. Sometimes that security that you have in those environments can also be a false sense of security. And 
Yeah. And what I mean by that is, is you can also just kind of get trapped into just kind of, of, of just, um, bumping along. And, um, and sometimes it's nice to feel like you're alone because there's that constant drive and that constant, uh, reminder that, you know, you're responsible to yourself. And the only way this is going to work is if you get up every day, put your boots on the ground and, and bring your, your fire and what's, you know, you have to dig deep down into your heart and say, what is it that's motivating me? Because if I can't, if I can't share that with other people that I can't expect them to get behind this. So there is that, there is that drive that, um, you know, you, you have to, you, you have to search deep down in that every day to bring that forward. Yeah, it is. It, I, I agree with you. As I've sat behind, you know, in this office, behind the microphone with, you know, my sweats on and my hair on top of my head half the time. <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely um, with great purpose because, uh, you know, I love sharing, you know, c- stories of other people with people. And it's just a great, it's a great vehicle to do that. And it, and it helps and it, it it's just kind of fun. And, you're you're right about the office environment. It it can give you a false sense of security. It's kind of sometimes I I I dream of like leaving the house all dressed up in my suit, and I <laughs> I've gotten so I just <laughs> yeah. do it anyway and just go to Starbucks all dressed up and sit there with my computer. <laughs> it's hilarious. Yeah, sure. Or have a meeting or or whatever. So there's other ways you know to to skin the cat rather than actually schlepping to the office. You do you know you find your fun. Um, but yeah, no, I hear you. Have you ever had any give up moments where you're just like, Oh, I, I got to do something else. Or are you pretty steady? And I've had a few give no, up most, moments where no, people no, had mo- to talk me the, off the ledge. <laughs> yeah, no, mo- most of the time pretty steady. Um, yeah, and, and, and a lot of that is, is because, you know, we, we started out very strong. We have a great board of directors. We have a great group of founding donors who, yeah. who enables us to cover our operating expenses so that, all 100% of the change that we collect goes directly to funding important programs. Um, And right when we, when we launched publicly in March, I think it was, we, we immediately had some media attention. So everything was, we got into a school right away. We got camps right away. And the simplicity of this concept for world to change, I think is, is, is what works with people. Um, but there have been a lot of no's and there have been a lot sure. of like anything in life. I think anybody who's in business or anybody who's worked in nonprofits or done anything, whether it's writing a book and trying to sell it to publishers, people will say no. And <laughs> you should and, see my rejection and, list. <laughs> oh my God. I have the biggest and, rejection and, and, list ever. I've, I got a yes through Hay House. I'm, I am a traditionally published author, but I, I have, you should, just to, to interrupt you for a second on the whole book thing, because we have those that crowd too. Oh my gosh, my stack of rejection letters is like a foot high. All the notes. I, I bet, I bet. It's and, awesome. And, 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 and every, everybody listening to this, I'm sure, has been been through that you know trail of of rejections, and yet, you know, we we remind ourselves that that not everybody may understand uh, what we what we envision. It may not be the right time for people. It might not be the right fit. Uh, but there are enough people out there that will be inspired. And um, yeah. I think for for me, it was having the first conversation about this, getting it out of my head. And the very first conversation was with somebody who's who's now our board chair. And and I remember him asking me, "Are you nervous?" 
and I was sweating when I called him. I was, I was, I was sweating. <laughs> I was nervous. My my heart was beating. And and the call went incredibly well. And he said, "I will get behind this. I will offer you support on the board. We'll give you financial support. And and I think this is great to do something where you're taking yourself, uh, you know, out of a traditional environment and you're risking a lot, but you're doing it because your heart compels you to do it. And I think as long with with all of those hiccups that come along." You know, we, we just remind ourselves that we're doing this because we know it's going to work. We know that it's going to benefit people and we know it's going to make our lives more fulfilled. And, and, and that's what makes those no moments or those difficult moments bearable. Yeah. You know, I, I do have a saying that I live by. I joke around that sometimes I get, you know, need to be talked off the ledge every once in a while with giving up. But I do actually have a saying, never, ever, ever give up, ever, ever. Ever, ever. And people have heard that through all the shows consistently since we started doing this because, you know, I think about the moment like just me personally where if I would have given up you know, with that, you know, it got a little frustrating there toward the end of like the moment where you're like, oh, okay, uh, you know, yeah. rejection letter number 1200 or whatever. I mean, it's a pretty good stack. And then to sit there one day and have two competing offers that were pretty insane offers. And you just think about that moment where like you're ready to give up. And then the next day it's like, Oh, well that changed in a second. You know, how's that? (laughs) How's that? And you know, it's a huge publisher too. So I, I love it when you, you know, people do those life changing phone calls or the life, those life changing moments. Um, because our, mine was also like a life changing phone call that I made. I just finally said enough's enough and picked up the phone, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. And uh, I don't know. It just is. It's gutsy. Well, uh, and I think I think you're right. I mean, just when just when you give up, who knows what's around the corner? I mean, what yeah. what if we give up and give up the day before something something major was going to happen. We would never know. And, and in many ways for me, that was, you know, what if I don't pursue world of change? What if I, what if I don't do it because of the risk involved because of, you know, I have two kids to support and I, uh, you know, countless other things, who knows, you could name the laundry list of reasons why you shouldn't do something. And, and yet if you do it, uh, what could happen? Imagine all the good that could happen. And, and if, and if we're in a position where we get to do this kind of work and, and I say, get very, you know, emphasis on get, um, you know, we get to do this. We get to make this decision to do this. Uh, gosh, I shudder to think of what happens when you give up and, and just before something big comes along the next day. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of big, um, I, I wonder if you had this in your vision when you started all this, uh, you know, I, I know that feeling of like, sometimes you're like, wow, am I really doing this? I mean, you had a huge event at L.L. Bean in October. How did that go for right. you? Because I heard you guys, you know, set records and did all sorts of crazy things. And I'm wondering if you had that in your head from the get go, like I'm doing this, <laughs> you know, if that was a vision or, or oh, just, totally. you know, like sometimes yeah. things just come along. That was totally part of the plan. And, and how lucky were awesome. we to have our first major event at L.L. Bean of all places. I, I just got to say a shout out to them to, to um, you know, take a risk. Talk about taking risks. We're a new nonprofit. And granted, they, they know my history because I've worked with them before. But, but we're a new organization. And, and they're a company who's been around for over 100 years. And, um, you know, shout out to them for, for acknowledging the fact that they could play a role in helping this community driven organization 
not only get off the ground, but inspire the community um, in a way that we had envisioned all along. Uh, our board and I have always envisioned world of change as used as, as much as a tool to engage people as a means to, in the end result, to help people. And, um, and emphasizing that, um, I, think, I think most nonprofits by design are designed to use the process of raising funds and the process of engagement as a means to an end. And what I mean by that is, is, you know, if you're, if you're an organization um, working to, to, to support folks who are experiencing homelessness or ending homelessness, raising funds may just be a means to an end of, of, of accomplishing your mission. And most nonprofits are, are, are focused so much on that end result that, that they're not able to spend as much time focusing as much on the engagement in the process. For us, that process of engagement is every bit as important as what we do with all of the change that we collect. And in fact, in, in many cases, it'll be even more important because we want to inspire people, we want to empower people, and we want to make giving accessible to people. And that accessibility for me is huge. So we always envisioned that the way to do all of that, to inspire people, is for them to see how they could take something very small, pull it together with others to create a, a much larger impact. It's that network effect, right? Is A quarter is going to be much greater in value together with a thousand other quarters than it is by itself. And, and metaphorically, uh, you know, each one of us as individuals, we might say, well, you know, I'm not Warren Buffett. I'm not Bill Gates. I can't make a world of change. And, and, and we, we don't want kids to grow up thinking that. We don't want adults to be thinking that. We want everybody to, to know that the resources that they have, however small or large they might, may perceive their resources to be, that those resources combined with others can make a world of change. And so, you know, Change Fest was always envisioned from the very start that we would have these large community events where we would, we would go from working with kids in classrooms, working with kids at summer camps, working with businesses, to then, you know, allowing kids or, or people in those businesses or kids at those summer camps to see their change add up in, in that micro community. And then the Change Fest allows them to come together and to bring all these micro communities together on a macro level so that everybody could see all of their change adding up in, a, in an even bigger way. Um, and so we did that. We had this festival, day-long festival. I had entertainment. We had uh, kids from Circus Maine performing. That was really cool. We had kids from Maine Academy of Modern Music playing on stage. These kids are so talented. And if there was any sign of what's to come in the future, these kids showed us clearly, you know, how, how great the future will be. Um, and we collected and displayed over $32,000 worth of change, which I thought was just a sight to see. And other people thought the same. It was, it truly was uh, magical, Elizabeth. Yeah, I, I can imagine. The next time you guys do it, make sure I know. I want to be there. That's just awesome. Yeah. I, I, um, how, how I found you was an email that you sent out and it wasn't to me specifically, but I think it was probably to your email list. And, um, I opened it up and was just so completely 
like, I don't know. I was just completely blown away. I mean, I literally opened it up and I, I didn't read the whole thing. I just read part of it and I emailed you immediately to ask if you would come on the show. And then I read the email. <laughs> it was that quick. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And um, I, it just, it makes me proud what you're doing. And I love that. So congratulations. I just think that's just, just so neat. And um, what's, I, so how do you, so, let me get my words out, actually. When you're at a, a place like Al, Al Bean, how do you actually collect change like that? What do people do? Do they literally yeah, so just we, show up with bags of change or checks? Or, they I mean, did. How's that go? They did. They did. This, this, this one gentleman showed up. Our event started at noon. He showed up at 10 a.m. with a hank, handkerchief, a bandana full of change. And, I, and oh, he was I the first that. person to show up with change before we even started. So I, I had to ask him. I said, I said, obviously, you came with your change. You had to learn about it somewhere. He said, I read about it in the paper this morning, and I thought, how cool is this? I, I can bring my change and be a part of something like this to the community. And for me, that was, that was the best moment of the day. It was, a, it, it was yeah. a sign of what was to come, and people started showing up with their baggies of change. And they, we had all these, these big 55-gallon barrels with big funnels on top that they could have fun with step stools for kids to step up and pour their change in each barrel represented one of our focus areas. Um, we, we showed up with over a ton of change. And when I say over a ton, I mean, literally over a ton of change from change that we had collected all summer long. And, and some folks listening might think, well, $32,000, that's, that's a lot of change, right? I mean, that's like hundreds of thousands of dollars of coins or hundreds of thousands of coins, Imagine all the hands that those coins have passed through over time to get to that one spot over the years. Um, folks might think, well, there are other ways to raise that kind of money that may be not as labor intensive. But remember the symbolism of all this. And remember what we're trying to do is to show people that take something small. Don't think that making a world of change is this impossible feat. Take what you have within arm's reach around you, whether it's your spare change sitting in your house or whether it's something that you can bring to Goodwill or bring to the food pantry or do something. But in, especially at a time when, when everybody's remarking about all of the political, you know, uh, political um, um, discord, what, depending on, you know, what, what party you sit on or what party you sit behind, you know, put politics aside. I think what we all need to do is to say, you know, there, there's this sense that we can all be a part of the change. We, we, don't, right. we don't need to be believing that other people are going to solve all of these difficult issues that are, that are within all of our communities. We can all do something. All we have to do is reach around and do something. And it's within our capacities. And before you know it, before you know it, that change will add up and it will make a world of change. It will make a world of change on a local level. And, and also on a global level. And it, and it is possible. This is not a, you know, something that's an, an impossibility for us all. We can do it. Yeah, I, I so completely agree with you. It takes, I, I, I did a blog on that, actually, like how it's, can one person really change the world? And I believe, yeah, yeah. you can, yeah. you can, you can, uh, I, I, you know, when I, when I do have those moments of, of a little bit of frustration here and there with um, I get frustrated because I don't think I reach enough people fast enough. I, I like couldn't reach enough people <laughs> fast enough for me. So I always think I'm not succeeding well enough. It's really hilarious. And yeah. it's just my own little personal 
peeve. I don't know. It's a peeve with myself. It's like, oh, and I don't want to hire PR firms and I don't want to do anything that um, changes what is natural to the process, you know, so it keeps staying grassroots. For me, that's that's my process. I just want everything to grow grassroots, including my own book. I never hired a PR firm or anything for it. So it's total grassroots, word of mouth, everything. And I just truly believe that you can change the world one person at a time. Just one. Uh, that's my goal. Like if uh, I think you share it, you know, if you can just touch one life, you've changed the world. I love what you just said. Uh, the grassroots effort has always been the most inspiring and, and magical process for me. Okay. Um, having worked in, in non- frustrating. Yeah. And, oh my and, and God. Of course we're, we're overachievers, right? And we want it to happen oh, yeah. overnight. And, and I, and I think a lot of want a world of change to happen overnight. Right. And that's why people throw up their arms because they think, Oh, it's just an impossibility. Right. Oh, yeah. and, well, and, you, and it, You're not an overnight sensation. No, you can't be, but the, there is beauty and magic into um, you know, growing grassroots efforts and to seeing them take off and whether they're slow or fast, I, I don't think that's, I don't think that's as relevant. I think exactly. what's more important is for it to grow and it's more powerful when it grows that way than any other way. So I think you've got to stick to what you're doing because it, you know, that grassroots approach is where the magic is. That's where, that's yeah. where the power really lies. Yeah, I, I think so too. I had to actually, um, learn that I, I, somebody sat me down and said, um, you can't step on everybody. I, I really, ha- somebody, a mentor said, you know what, if you would, I, I, I started out with that intention and then got sort of like mm-hmm. carried away, I would say, like it got really, really big, really, really fast. And I got sort of carried away and a little bit um, too aggressive and somebody put me in my place. And I'm so thankful to that person. They know exactly who they are. <laughs> and um, <laughs> just, you know, it was a, a person older than me, about 20 years older, who said, you know, you got to do things a little bit different. They sort of adjusted my approach and it made, you know, talk about world of change. It made that in my life. And so I, I think, you know, it, it sometimes it takes people a little wiser than you to, to, to help you out a little bit here and there. Um, what do you think about that? Well, I think, you know, look, I, I'd like to see change fests. Our board and I would like to see change fests happening in cities all across America. What, well, we started at L.L. Bean and here in Maine, we we envision happening at various parts of the country and, and maybe even on the same day. So we have we have a day where these change fests are happening across the country and we rally communities around them. And, and we have we have a lot of other things in the plans. Um, I'd love to see that happen like tomorrow yeah. and, and enough people to us and say, how do we get this in our school? I was. I was at a at an event um, in New Hampshire at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. We were in the fan zone this summer, engaging fans, and people were loving World to Change and donating change. and And there were some school teachers. One in particular from Rhode Island came up and said, "I, I want to bring this right away into Rhode Island." And, and you know, of course, I'm chomping at the bit. I want to bring it right to to Rhode Island too. And 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 I know that um, you know it'll take time. And uh, but but. The, the best part, the, the way that this becomes the strongest is by people taking it on and owning it and bringing to it the same passion that I have, just like the same right. passion that you have for this Best Ever You show. People recognize you know, what you're trying to get across. 
your, you know, people out there listening, you folks get it, that that passion has everything. If it comes with passion, then it's going to be the strongest. And so the way that world of change is going to be it's, it's greatest best ever self is by other people uh, feeling that passion, believing in it and sharing that belief with others. And so, you know, we're going to, we're going to go 150 miles per hour. um, But we also know that part of that process has to be slowing down here and there to just remind ourselves how simple our concept is. And part of that simplicity is making sure that we're, we're doing it the right way to engage people on emotional levels. Um, Yeah, no, we have to be creative. I agree. Yeah, creative is a must. Um, for anybody listening live, um, our show is going to go into record mode now, and so you can catch the end of the show um, on free replays. And, you, and there's also sharing buttons and all sorts of cool stuff that you can do. You can share this show in any social media by just a click of the button um, and help Matt's world of change go global. Um, I, 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 you, you said U.S., I think global. Um and I love what Absolutely. you said just and there. Tomorrow, <laughs> yeah. Right? Tomorrow, yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow. yeah. Okay, right? I hear you. But you know, I think the I think the person who slowed me down really was noticing that I wasn't a very good I wasn't a very good person at following up. You know, it's like I would go 150,000 miles an hour and go person, 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 nice to meet you, nice to meet you, nice to meet you. But there was no substance behind meeting the person. And so what I've tried to do with people is, yes, I'd like to meet you and have you on my show. Or if I'm near you, go have coffee with you or, you know, actually meet you. And um, it creates just such better friendships and better you know, less bridges burned or whatever that is not really burning a bridge, but it's just a, it's just a more quality interaction. Do you, it seems like you're really good at that already. You didn't need to be told. uh, But what you touched on is, is like, you, you just, you just can't, um, you can't do everything. And uh, you know, we have, we know that right now what we did is we started and, everything that we said plus that we would do, we we've done. And we've now, we now have again, a major event behind us. We have engagements with schools. Camps are using this as a way to teach campers about social responsibility. So the proof of concept is there. Now we need to start building an infrastructure. And what, by that, what I mean is, is, you know, our, our board we've built, we've built a great group of supporters. We, we now need to start, um, you know, building an infrastructure behind the organization. So we're going to have to hire somebody who can really focus on these relationships. I just can't do yeah. it all. The, the board I know, can't I do it all. I feel that way too. It's <laughs> hilarious. And, and, well, and can't you can't do all something. There's, a, there's an authenticity yeah. and, a, and, a, and a meaningful, yeah. genuine piece about relationships that I love it. Um, and some days you wish you could clone yourselves. And there are other days where I think that, you know, I'm, I, I think – I, don't, I wouldn't want to clone myself because there are 10 other people out there who, who could do something a million oh times better than, than I that, could. And, isn't that the best part that, of meeting people? It, are the, um, that's oh. what I've discovered. I'm 48. I'm 48 now. And um, I don't think I ever have appreciated people so much in my life mm-hmm. to see all the different things that people can do, the talents, the Somebody edits better than you, speaks better than you, talk, you know, just there's so many cool things that Amazing. people do better. 
And, um, you know, I always say I can make a mean chocolate chip cookie. That's about the coolest thing I do. (laughs) You know, I challenge anybody out there to make a better chocolate chip cookie. But, you know, we all have these cool things about us. And and whether they tie in or they don't exactly, it's just kind of fun. And I wish I would have had that level of appreciation for all the different things people do, like when I was in kindergarten. I sort of did. But so cool. Yeah, I, and, well, and, and yeah. you know, and when you go start to kindergarten again, and when, <laughs> and when you start something, how, you know, you've, you've seen this before, I'm sure when you start something, people are so to help you, they, there's something about uh, yeah. what I never realized, I, this part, I didn't expect, um, you know, I've, I've dealt with people in philanthropy for many years, uh, but in my experiences, they were there, it was with two very established organizations, and, uh, and I didn't anticipate this part. I've had many people say to me, you know, they've been giving to organizations for many years and they felt great about that, but they've never had the opportunity to be a part of a startup nonprofit. And, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not meaning like to, to be just part of a startup nonprofit, but one that they could easily envision becoming a national and a global nonprofit and, and envision the impact that could be made. Um, and they just they get excited about it. They get excited about sharing their past experiences, whether it's with business or startups, for-profit startups. So there's this sense of excitement that people bring. And I didn't that part I didn't realize. And it's been a joy to me. And I, I have to remind myself, you know, it's easy to get tactical and it's easy to get focused, especially when you have a major event like we just had. And when you come out of that and you lift your head up and you remind yourself that you've got to go out and have as many conversations with people as possible, because those are, it's like, it's like mining for gold. You get these nuggets of wisdom and these nuggets of, 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 of advice that you implement Um, because everything that we've done with world of change thus far is a product of all those conversations that we've had. So I think to myself, like, imagine if we could have a million more conversations, how much greater we can be. And, that's a part of building that infrastructure of getting more people involved so that we can be out there connecting with people on a, on a larger level. Yeah. So um, I'm going to let you go here pretty soon because of time and all that stuff. And I, I just love having you on the radio. I hope you come back again. Cause um, aside from world of change, it's just fun to fun to talk to you because you just got so many, so much wisdom and, you know, maybe bring Aiden on too. love that kid. Remember I'm going to do the best awesome. I can today. <laughs> I love that one. Um, and I, I have to ask you this though before we go here. You know, you seem to me like the only human being who's not com- these days who's not completely annoyed by change. <laughs> I'm like literally oh, like uh, I mean that like annoyed by change like in the sense of like changing things but also like yeah. pennies <laughs> and nickels and Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the world is like we hate change. Even banks are like I don't want to deal with your change. I just saw another bank yep. like I took and I must be of the age where I love change because I have taught all of our kids piggy banks. We still have piggy banks. We've changed jars and piggy banks and everything. Yeah. Now I know what I can do with it. But, um, t- t- you know, what do you <laughs> – it's just funny to me. You you truly are not annoyed by change. But is it a lot to, to ask people to bring that stuff to the bank? It's too heavy. You know, all the complaints about change we've got, how are you dealing with the pushback? So I do get pushback. I get pushback in many ways. One, one would be, here's a classic one. Well, I never use change. I don't even use cash. I use my debit card. And I say, I say, okay, great. Um, You know, 
if we try, if we, if we, if we think that every single person out there is going to jump on the train and do what we're doing, then, then we're mistaken. But there's a, there's a critical mass of people out there that I've experienced because I've come in contact with them that get excited about change. They're nostalgic about change. Look at a lot of elderly folks today who remember when change actually was worth something at one point in time. And, I, and, and they I collect change. I'm sorry. I got to admit it. <laughs> I do. With some I of do. my coins. It's okay. It's okay. And, and I'm not insinuating that you're elderly, but um, I, am I remember, elderly. I remember, I remember when I was a kid, I popped two quarters into a video game machine. I think it was three yeah. quarters, 75 cents. It was like a Pac-Man arcade machine. And my grandfather scolded me and he said, you know, 75 cents is, but that's a lot of money. And yeah, uh, I remember pay always, they pay pay phones, right? Yeah. We, didn't, we didn't text our parents for a ride. We, we waited in a line to use the dang phone. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, I, I think yeah. I think for older generations they 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 yeah. appreciate they appreciate world of change because it reinforces the fact that it's worth something and yeah. for every for every person who treats change as a throwaway there's probably there's probably an argument to be made that there's an epidemic in our society and the epidemic is we we live in a world where things of value have been have been kind of cast aside as useless or not as meaningful. And yeah. I think I'll go back to one of the statements I said earlier, where there's a sense of helplessness out there. There's a sense of reliance on others to solve our problems. There's a sense of, of treating politicians as heroes versus hosts. And I read a great article about heroes versus hosts. They are our politicians are not going to solve all our problems. Nobody's going to solve all of our problems. We, we have to stop treating people as heroes that are going to come along and wave the magic wand. They, they are hosts for change. They're hosts for our voices and for the things that we want them to do, the change that we want and need them to be a part of helping us make. But ultimately it comes down to each one of us and change both uh, literal and metaphorical and symbolic. Yeah. And coins for me are a symbolic way of saying, Look, I recognize that you might not perceive of yourself as Bill Gates, but you still or let, let's let's take this child who's growing up in a rural community. And I'm generalizing here. I realize that. But uh, or a child who's growing up in a community or in a family where either directly or indirectly, the signs that are, are, are being sent to them are that they're not going to amount to much. Right. They might be coming right. from a, a, a family who's experienced generations of poverty. And that child goes to school and that child interacts with world of change and is told that they can change the world. And they, they, they get involved in it in a very tactical and sensory driven way. They're given some quarters to start out with, which we do. We give every child a change pouch and our sponsors give us quarter money to convert to quarters to give each of these kids. And they get to experience what it's like to, to connect with their colleagues, their classmates, and to make mm-hmm. a difference. And they're told that they can buy a bed for a child sleeping on the floor somewhere or buy meals. And kids, to your question about change, kids get excited about change. Um, and just as I said, maybe some elderly folks get excited about change or nostalgic about it. Kids get excited. So I've, my experience is for every person out there who says, 
that, you know, they don't like change or they don't use change, I've experienced 10 more people who get excited about it. And if I have the opportunity, if World of Change can excite that child who's growing up in that household, that's, that's being told they're not going to amount to anything. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to pass high school if they even pass high school to being told that they could be a part of changing the world and being involved in a very century driven way and getting them excited in the classroom. That to me suggests that, um, you know, we can use this as a tool to empower people. And I think, I think again, going back to your question about, yes, there will be a lot of, but that's like anything, right? And that's yeah. part of the your question to me earlier in the conversation about, of course, there are going to be people who say no to something. But I know there are going to be 10 more, 100 more, 1,000 more people who are going to get, get excited. And, and to some way, some degree, that uselessness of change works to our advantage because it's, it's sitting there for a reason. It's sitting there because it's inconvenient. It's sitting there because people don't know what to do with it. We can, we can inspire people to say, wait a second, okay, at least we can do something good with this change. We may not have thought it had much value, but this world of change thing has helped us see this change differently. And to some degree, it's a, it's a, a shift in people's behaviors. You know, changing behaviors is as much what we're trying to do as get people to look at that change differently. Don't look at it as annoyance. Don't look at it as, as useless. Look at it as something in its simplest sense that can benefit people's lives. And I think, I think we, we all, just, just like waking up in the morning and saying, I'm going to do the best I can today, we all have to practice changing our behaviors. And, change, yeah. and this whole change concept will hopefully allow us, empower us, inspire us to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, as you're talking, I'm kind of going through your website, looking at your board, and they're, it's Dartmouth, Dartmouth, Dartmouth Brown. <laughs> the brilliance <laughs> of this company, I love it. <laughs> I'm St. Ambrose in Davenport, Iowa. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's, it's just, I'm not on your board, but I'm just saying it's awesome, all of the peop, the brilliance behind the company and the, and the people who are behind you and, and loving what you're doing. It's just really inspiring. I, it's, that's another thing that I saw when I looked at your website. Um, and I don't want to keep you beyond three thirty here, so I want to make sure I let you go, but I hope you come back again. It's been so much fun having you on and I appreciate you sharing, um, all about what you're doing and how you're changing lives and the world. It's just very, very, very inspiring. Well, likewise, I think, you know, the best ever you is, is inspiring and it's, and it's empowering and it's, um, I, I think I think it's easy for us to get caught up in our day to day and um, spiritually. Sometimes it's hard to remind ourselves to be our best selves, and, and it takes a lot of exercise, doesn't it? And um, the it messages does. that you're sh- you're sharing hopefully will just reinforce, um, you know, that, that 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 we're all we're all just trying to work at living fulfilling lives, and I think the mm-hmm. best way we do that is sharing stories with each other and. I'm yeah, just grateful very to be a part of this, and I, I appreciate it. I appreciate what yeah. you're doing. Well, thank you, and I appreciate we're doing what you're doing too. So it's a it's a 
mutual admiration society. And I, and I look forward <laughs> to seeing all the cool things that you do in the future. And again, I hope you'll come back, maybe come back in a few months and give us an update. And it doesn't have to be this long of a show. You can just come on even during one of my other shows for 10 minutes or whatever you want to do, just holler. And um, I will follow up with you and make sure we go grab coffee or tea or something like that to just make sure I say hello, especially since you're right yeah, here, you know, <laughs> that'd be awesome. Yeah. And good old Aiden, we're cool. just going to end on Aiden's quote, aren't we? I'm going to do the best I can today. Do the best be I like, can he, today. He, yeah, it's just awesome. So, all right. Yep. Thank you very much for being with me today. I appreciate it again. And um, thank Thanks. you all. Uh, yeah, thank you. And thank you all so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show. I appreciate you being here. Um, I'd love for you to please uh, go visit Matt's website, worldofchange.world. And um, it's just, it's a great website too. You'll see so much information. It's very inspiring. And the, the message here is it, through cha- helping all these kids. I was just, I love it when organizations help kids. Um, just very inspiring. So, all right, I will be quiet now and let you guys all listen to the show, share the show, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn is LinkedIn is a very powerful tool to share things like this. Um, People love businesses like this on LinkedIn. So make sure if you're on LinkedIn, you share this on LinkedIn. It's awesome. So, all right, everybody, take care. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. And I will be back tomorrow with another show, a Friday show. I know it's unusual. But I have Susan Bruno coming in, and she is a good friend of mine. She's the founder of College CFO and Diva CFO. And we're going to have some turkey talk tomorrow. So it's about how to talk to your kids about their finances and especially your college kids. So it's her websites are awesome too, by the way. So college CFO and diva CFO, and I'm going to have her on twice. Um, She's going to come on in November and December and um, talk about each of those things. So tomorrow's the college CFO and the show is going to be called Turkey Talk. So things to talk about your kid with your college kids and your younger kids around the table at Thanksgiving. And uh, so we'll have some fun with that. So take care, everybody. Thank you again for listening and have a wonderful night and day, I guess, depending on when you're listening to this. (laughs) It's nighttime here. (laughs) All right, everybody. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Best Ever You Show. Want more? Visit us at besteveryou.com. Be your best and keep it real. Confident, successful, caring, and beautiful every day with Best Ever You.